Blog Talk Radio. Mountain lion 
that was sheltering beneath a home. Uh, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife was called in a day later. Uh, they, the lion already tagged, uh, volunteer, they voluntarily uh, returned to the wild. Um, so, you know, after it was screened at a film festival and uh, was filmed about three years ago and um, it's been released on DVD and online, so you could yeah, uh, subscribe to it. Yeah, I'm going to them right now. You <coughs> can see, um, um, yeah, amazing story about a community by uh, film for a screening. Uh, most of a public performance license required to screen the film privately. They have created the following packages. So what they've done is they've actually created a package Smart TV, a specialized mobile animal rescue team um, website here. They've actually they got Amazon how to buy the buy the movie on Amazon. They got a full page here, and um, yeah, the movie you can download from two dollars ninety nine cents, I guess, um, on uh, on this public performance license. If you want to put, put a, a public performance of this movie, uh, you can. It's a hundred and fifty dollar fee, educational use license, hundred and fifty bucks. But you know, that's the that's to buy the movie basically. And um I mean before before these specialized units, I guess firemen went out and did this or sometimes police whoever, whoever could, yeah, I guess whoever whoever was able whatever to. public servant could. Right. And um I'm not sure how these people get paid. It must be like a non profit group. Probably. Or whether they're hired by by the town, I don't know. Hmm. I'm gonna try one more time. Be with us, and uh, yeah, but anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Expecting us on the 14th.
Hello? Is this Justin? Hello? Justin? Justin, no, you got the wrong number, bud. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. This is Justin. Hello, this is Justin. Justin? Yeah, hi Justin. It's uh Leo and, and Lila. I'm sorry for the for the mess up here. We got a technical oh. problem. But, no uh, problem. Yeah, welcome to welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Well thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Uh we just read a little bit about um the smart team and about the film that you made. And uh why is an or- why do you believe an organization like this is so important? I thought there were, you know, that cities had ways to rescue animals, but they really don't? No, that's correct. Uh, over half of uh, the homes in the United States of America alone have a cat or a dog, and these okay. are family members and friends. And there is yep. no specific uh, group of animal rescuers on a city-by-city basis out there to have the training and the expertise to handle you know, the variety of situations animals find themselves in. So oftentimes human rescuers or, or actual individuals find themselves in harm's way because of it. Uh, this really came in a context in Hurricane Katrina when people literally would not leave without their animals. And so people were left behind and there were some casualties. Also, a number of animals were left behind because people weren't trained to get them out of that situation and it, it caused some, some huge issues. And that's actually part of the, the film. We have, a huge, uh, we have a pretty big Katrina component in the film as well. But it's important that animal rescue exists. Absolutely. Um, how is an organization like this funded? Is it part of a city budget, actually? Or? Well, it's kind of what's cool about the SMART team. They're, they're the forefront of this. Um, they are animal control officers, so they have just taken it upon themselves to be ready to rescue an animal in any situation. So they're swift water certified, repelling. They've done helicopter rescues. A lot of this stuff's in the film because when they roll up to a house in Los Angeles, you never really know what's going to happen. We have them saving a deer in the back of Pee Wee Herman's backyard, getting a mountain lion out of a basement and and literally airlifting a horse out of a out of a dam uh situation and uh, they've been a hundred percent successful since they started and to date they've rescued over a thousand animals oh that's that's just amazing and are they, are they funded actually through like the city of los angeles or or is it through private donations or a combination of everything because they're animal control officers, they technically have a salary, but uh, the folks in the film talk about the fact that they put in tens of thousands of dollars of their own money into getting the training and the certification and some of the equipment um, that they use out in the field. So they've really taken it upon themselves to meet this calling, and it's our hope that with the film, they will get more attention and more support uh, as they continue. So there's actually a uh, like a 
training training grounds or uh, training for for animal rescue, or is it primarily? Um, well, like firefighters go on specialized yeah. training. They must have specialized training too. I guess so. Yeah. Well, there's so. not a there's not an animal rescue program, and I think that's one of the things that hopefully the smart team will be able to do as they become more and more successful. What they've done is they've they've cobbled together uh, training regimens from a variety of other sources, like rappelling or swift water or um, field-based stuff from, you know, from, from other kinds of rescue training. But they've melded that with their profession, which is animal care and animal rescue. And so I, I, I think if they wanted to create a, a national program, uh, it would be received incredibly well. They would just need to find the time and have the backing to do that because they're out there rescuing animals for the city of L.A. every day. Wow. And I was reading something that said they had rescued over a thousand animals. I didn't know that was correct. such a Wow. And um are they ever called in for like by zoos for like wild animals? They I mean, they're definitely part of a wild animal world because LA is kind of the wild west of animals. So deer, um uh <laughs> raccoons, Foxes, coyotes, and and again, in a pretty special circumstance, a, a mountain lion in the in the basement. So uh, they have to do kind of other institutionalized like zoo checkups and Hollywood shoot checkups through their normal job, through their actual animal control officer work. But a rescue could be just about anything out there. I, I find it interesting that a, a mountain lion was sheltering in a under in somebody's basement. I wonder how that <laughs> happened. If the animal was injured or how it happened to get in there, did they ever find? Did they find that out? Yeah, P twenty two actually is a tracked uh, uh, a tracked animal um, in the Hollywood area, and there was I think a development that was kind of happening, and there was a call that there was an animal. Um, uh, in this spot and in the film you can see this from Armando's POV as he goes down <laughs> and checks it out and there is a, a gigantic cat in the corner of the room so they've uh, they've met many many kinds of uh, of needs in LA City there's 10 to 14 of them at any given time led by Armando Navarrete and they serve a city of close to 4 million people so it's a huge responsibility it sure is. And do some do some of these animals that they rescue uh, do they get adopted? Are they brought to shelters if they don't have homes? Or absolutely, because they're part of the Los Angeles Animal Services system. Uh, if they rescue an animal and it does not have an owner, um, it goes and they use social media uh, to great benefit to the animals. Every animal they rescue, they make sure has a home. That's not always the case with animals in the United States of America, but it's part of their personal responsibility, they feel. Oh, wow. They, it sounds like they work very hard at this. They're modern-day superheroes, and I think that's when you make a feature-length film, you have to have a subject that's visual, but that's also pretty compelling. I find these folks to be absolutely, incredibly superheroic, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I spent the time with them to make this film. Oh, now, Justin, do you work for uh, Cinema Libre, or does do you do, or is it, are you an independent uh, producer, or how does how does that work? 
Yes, I, I'm an independent filmmaker. I've been making films for 15 years. Uh, I spent three years working on Smart with my team. And then after a year of film festivals and uh, partner screenings all across the country, and in fact in two other countries, um, our, our team, uh, our executive producer, signed with Cinema Libre, who is now distributing the film. Um, and that's their that's their their thing. We we uh, we we learned and talked to them about the fact that they had put out Oliver Stone's last documentary, which was really great. They had a fantastic reputation of working directly with nonprofits and social change organizations, and so we were happy to sign with them. Now, what now? Essentially, what do they do? They uh, they're the distributors, or do they uh, you know are they, uh, do you help, uh, uh, Libre they... is the distributor, so like Sony or Fox, you know that kind of logo oh. comes up at the beginning of the film. Yep. So, uh, so in 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 the, in the independent film world, you create your thing, you you own it, you you right. make sure that it's the way that you want it to be, and then you sign with a uh, distribution company. We funded the film ourselves. We made it with our own equipment and on our own time. We all had full-time other jobs and this was a, a passion project for us. How many, how many other programs have you done? Uh, uh, I've been, I've been making, so I don't have a complete number. I, you could look up on IM, uh, IMDB, the number of films that I've done, but I've done a great many. I've been making films pretty consistently since 2000 and one when I got my master's degree. So if I'm not making films, I'm working on other people's films. Uh, I also write comic books and from time to time teach. So it's been a pretty creative life so far. Yeah. I noticed the executive producer is uh, Kimberly Rose. Is that your wife or a relation? Or... Uh, that, is my, that is my grandfather's brother's daughter. So we worked together on one project. Yeah, we weren't. We didn't even have any idea that this was going to kind of occur. We we made a project. You can see this on my website too. Back in 2012, called the Titanic of Southampton. We worked on that together, and it was it was received very well. Went all over the 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 country. It, it was screened on the 100th anniversary Southampton to uh, New York Memorial Cruise. We just had a blast, and we had a blast with our small crew that we worked with, too. My, my right-hand man and good friend Tori Maurer in Denver, composer John Snyder. It just was a really wonderful partnership. So Kim got a crow stuck in her Los Angeles chimney, and Armando Navarrete, the head of the smart team, came out, and she was like, this guy is really compelling, really interesting. Would you come down and meet him? I'm in the Pacific Northwest, and Tori's in Denver, Colorado, so – that's kind of a big commute, but we met, we met with him and we're animal lovers. And we said, well, this might be a neat short film to do for fun, to work together again. Well, three years later, we finished <laughs> a feature length project. It just kind of opened up and we just kept working on it. And so uh, it's a, it's a wonderful partnership between uh, Kim and John and Tori and myself. And then of course we picked up some other good comrades along the way Jim Choma, Doug Snyder, but it was a very small, very independent unit, and that's how we got the film made the way we wanted to, and it was it was quite a ride. Can, can you tell our listeners how they can view this film? 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, if you go to www.smartmoviedoc.com, you can find a bunch of portals to a bunch of different places. Uh, but if you Google Smart Specialized Mobile Animal Rescue Team, those will pop up too. It's streaming for free on Amazon Prime if you're an Amazon Prime member. But you can buy a DVD or you can rent or buy a streaming through Amazon as well. Uh, it's on uh, Vimeo and a bunch of other outlets too. You can even bring the film to your town through two different ways on our website as well. You can watch it in your independent theater or on a Cinemark or AMC theater. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's very easy to see it. Yeah, I noticed they have um, on your site there. They have the uh, screen of film, um, public performance. Uh, you can license fees for public performance uh, and educational use license. So they absolutely. They, they, yeah, they do. Uh, they, so this is um, the the movie distributors are the ones who put this together, or, or is it Smart, or who created this uh, site? Oh, we that's the that that is our site. That is our site for the film. And so you're seeing a bunch of different portals to other sites all from that uh website. So Cinema Libre works really great with independent theaters, nonprofits, educators, but we've also partnered with a program called Gather. And Gather you can bring the film to your AMC or your local Cinemark and watch it on the big screen in a big theater setting. And it's really easy to do that. All that information is all on our website. Right. Okay. Yeah, I see this. Uh, yeah, where I guess you you can bring it to the to to the screens. Uh, uh, become hosting a screening. We have all kinds of information on there. It's it's really great. You know, I was really really uh, really pleased to see that. And it must be great for an independent producer as well. Isn't it? This well, to me, it's it's you want people to see your work, and it's really exciting that we have i mean we won a number of film festival awards last year we, we we traveled with the film but more people can see it in one day than could see it in an entire year of film festivals if it gets directly connected to people so now is the exciting time it just came out last week and oh, people really? are experienced oh yeah yeah we just launched last week so people are experiencing it people are talking about it they had a uh, they had a segment on it on NBC LA last night at five o'clock. Now is when it now is when it spreads and people get to interact with it, and that's that's the most exciting thing for me. Yeah, that is. Yeah, now we Lila and I did a uh, well, we did over four, about four hundred television programs and uh, about in uh, uh, ten documentaries and uh, uh, over the uh, over the last uh, sixteen seventeen years. And, oh my uh, goodness! So we appreciate what you what you're going through and what you're doing. This this but, is a wonderful thing, and um, I hope you get a lot of response to it. Yeah. And uh, it seems like it's a very necessary kind of thing today to have a specialized group to deal with the animals. And I'm sure this idea will spread to other cities if it hasn't already. But do you find do you find for instance you find this operation uh, cinema. Um, effective for you? I mean, I, I mean, they seem to be. Seem I to think be that really... when you make an independent project, you have a variety of different places that you can take it. And so, you know, in this day and age, you can um, you can work with a company uh, like Distriber and literally do it all yourself. Get it on iTunes, get it on 
uh, all the different outlets. And But to us, we wanted to work with a company that seemed to really appreciate that we were trying to make a change out in the field. And yeah. so we had several different offers of distribution, and, and we signed with Cinema Libre not only because they put out some films that I've, I've personally seen over the years in my local theaters, but also because they really got what we were trying to do with the film. We felt like we were in the position where we could make that, make that choice. But as difficult as distribution is in this day and age, there's still a huge number of ways to directly get something out into the world. And I am, uh, I think that's pretty exciting rather than, than scary. The more you can do yourself, the better everything's going to be. So that's why you try to find a creative partner who can, pick up that ball and run with it, too. I agree with you. I, I'm just curious how they, uh, do they charge, like, a, a percentage of the film, or do they, they take charge of the of things, or what? You, or do you do you retain your uh, all your copyrights or what, whatever? Oh, no, we own the film, but they, they, of course, get the right to distribute that in the various media forms over the coming years, um, not... not uh, but but basically distribution breaks down contract to contract and company by company. You can keep your DVD, DVD rights, you can keep your international rights, you can keep your television rights. Every deal is kind of different. Right. I think even deals with Cinema Libre um, could technically be different. Uh, to me, it was important to keep everything under one roof and to work with a very specific team. Uh, we're very early on the process, of course, but... I'm 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 very happy with uh, the work that they have done uh, with uh, us for sure. Very good, yeah, that's great. So, is there any? What else? You have anything else you're working on, or another? Any other? Uh, I'm I'm always working on always working on stuff, and uh, so yes, absolutely. I'm, I have a new comic book series coming out next year. I'm working on a new uh, feature length project, but. Right now, I'm committed to making sure that this launch is as big and as wonderful as possible, and then we're starting to pick up theatrical screenings already next year. So I'd like to get out there and, and, and represent the film as much as possible. So it's been a long time, four years since this film specifically has come out. So I'll, I'll get a little break and recoup, and then we'll see what happens next. So, so has, has it gotten much uh, attention up until now, or have you? Is this the best that you've gotten so far? Well, last year we won seven international film awards. We were nominated for five more. We were in thirty theaters, and we spent a good amount of time taking the film out to the world through film festivals and, and, and partner screenings. So that reception was great. When you watch a film in the theater, and people really love it, and you win an award or two. That's that's a remarkable feeling, but yeah. well, congratulations! The, uh, oh, well, thank wonderful. you. That's great. And well, I hope me, that, I, that the takeaways are that the uh, smart team wanted to have. I hope it comes to fruition for them that they get. Uh, more interest in animals, and that people take an interest in rescuing animals. I think that's a great message. No, I, I agree too. For me, you know, I hate documentaries that just say like something is bad and then hit you over the head with it for seventy-five minutes. <laughs> to me, you want to have a sense of agency and purpose. And the the thing we want people to leave the theater with is not only a sense of excitement. Uh, 
but also the idea that you don't have to jump out of a helicopter to be an animal rescuer. You can walk down to your local shelter and volunteer. You can adopt an animal. You can get your animal microchip. Like there are ways in which everybody can work to, for the betterment of companion animals, dogs and cats. And so I think people are really getting it. And I think uh, it's been a very exciting ride and I think it's just, just started. Well, thank you very much. I think, I think it's a great message and I wouldn't be surprised if people do those things that you're talking about just because you've created this film and that team is so, that smart team is so exciting and they have a great message too and they're giving a lot of benefit to animals and people that love them. And I think that's yeah. great. Well, thank you, Joseph. Well, thank you. We look forward to, uh, you know, talking to you again one of these days here and see how, see how well you're doing. Right. I appreciate it, and thank you for taking the time to uh, to spread the word. It's uh, as you know, it's a big world out there, so it's nice to uh, nice to have people kind of boost the signal. You bet. You bet. So so thank you so much for joining us, man, and I uh, wish you the best of luck. And thank you, guys. Take care. Have a great have a great night. Thank you. you. Good night. Good night. And uh, that was Justin Zimmerman, and he is the uh, director, producer of the. Uh, Smart. smart, and uh, that, again, Lila, what, what, how do you, what do you, what is the? It's specialized mobile. That's yeah, specialized mobile. Uh, what was the um, Specialized mobile animal rescue team. Right, and uh, moviedoc.com. You can go to smartmoviedoc.com. All right, and uh, this is, uh, you know, you can check it out. And this little movie takes place in Los Angeles, and the message they want to give people is, even though this this movie is very exciting and dramatic, you can do something, too, to protect the animals and take care of them. And that's a message that they want to give people, and I think that's an important message. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, that's that's where we go from there. And um, I'm going to go back to... Interesting because I I uh, there's, there's a new uh, this is kind of, kind of this has been our our union night well and uh, uh, we usually talk about things like this but there's an interesting thing um, there was uh, it's going to deal with with I, it's he's doing some very interesting things Trump is doing and uh, one of them was uh, Trump's tech summit. And Jeff Bezos, who's the owner of Amazon as well as the uh, uh, now the owner of the Washington Post, who is a, who is very against Trump. Okay, one of his yep. biggest nemesis. But he invited him and other uh, major tech people to this uh, to this uh, uh, meeting, and he wanted to talk to them about a few things, and he did. And Bezos says Bezos rather says that uh, it's very productive. And he says, uh, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, and this is, uh, let's see, this was from the uh, Yahoo Finance. Yeah, Yahoo Finance. Uh, uh, from their, you know, from their Yahoo page. Um, Yahoo Finance, direct, um, and this came out today. Um, 
Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos had some carefully chosen words to describe President-elect Donald Trump's tech summit held Wednesday afternoon in New York City Trump Tower. Um, that was today, by the way. Uh, I found today's meeting with the president-elect, his transition team, and tech leaders to be very productive, Bezos told finance, uh, Yahoo Finance in a statement. I shared the view that the administration should make innovations one of his key pillars, which would create a huge number of jobs across the whole country in all sectors, not just tech, agriculture, infrastructure, manufacturing, and everywhere. The meeting, which lasted an hour, included Amazon CEO and Power at Washington Post owner Jeff Bezos, Apple CEO Tim Cook, Tesla CEO Elon Musk, Microsoft CEO, uh, CEO, Intech, INTC, CEO, uh, Facebook, uh, COO, Sheryl Sandberg, uh, Oracle, CEO, Cisco, CEO, Palantir, CEO, whatever company that is, I'm not sure, but as well as Larry Page and Eric Schritt, uh, CEO and chairman of Google, uh, 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 Google and the parent company Alphabet. Um, those are the two founders of Google, by the way. And also, in uh, in attendance, uh, Vice President uh, Mike Pence, billionaire tech investor and transition team member Peter Thale, um, Chief Advisor Steve Bannon, Chief of Staff uh, Rents Priebus, and three of Trump's children, Ivanka, Eric, and Donald. Huh. Interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. Now look at that picture there of all of them around. That's not great. All the all the billionaires. Uh-huh. Organized by Trump's son-in-law Jared Kushner. Uh, uh, Kushner, rather, uh, Priebus and Thiel. The meeting was intended as an introductory session. I have Bezos. Amicable words are, note, are notable, given Trump and Bezos locked horns when the president-elect temporarily blacklisted the Washington Post, which Bezos brought in 2013, from campaign events, and uh, described Bezos' ownership of the Post as a tax dodge. <laughs> Likewise, Cook and Page participated in a discussion back in May at the American Enterprise Institute Annual World Forum uh, around how to stop Trump's domination. <laughs> So all these guys were all the heads of these guy of uh, these companies were mm-hmm. trying to stop them. You know, trying to stop Trump. I didn't, I didn't realize that that uh, they had the head of Apple, the head of uh, all these companies. So why was he meeting with them? Well, he's trying to pull them <laughs> together because they they met with the American Enterprise Institute, which are the mm-hmm. which is the which is the Satan of of institutes. I mean, this is like. All the all the neocons. That's mm-hmm. the neocon group. Okay, so Cook and Page and all these guys, uh, you know, if they participate in the discussion on how to how to stop Trump, uh, it's kind of interesting. They're sitting there, uh, you know, with Trump. But uh, Trump's a clever guy. Uh, he just he. Well, he's not holding any grudges. He's showing people that he's... Well, it's not that he's not holding grudges, but it's just that, uh, you know... Well, he's opening to everybody. I think that's great. Yeah, exactly. You want to be part of his team? Well, 
According to a blockbuster campaign dispatch published by Politico on Wednesday, sheer incompetence was the real cause of Clinton's electoral explosion in November. Clinton's loss was caused not by one bad decision here or there. Um, the political reported, report shows, but by a cascade of mind-boggling stupid decisions made throughout the campaign. For example, there was the time campaign surrogates were ordered to stay and campaign in Iowa when Clinton lost by 10 points uh, uh, instead of working to get out the vote for Clinton in Michigan. Everybody could see Hillary Clinton was cooked. Interesting. This is by Politico, too, which is a... Uh, kind of, mm-hmm. But it was picked up by uh, by uh, the Federalists. And this one I'm reading it from actually the Federalists. And uh, let's see, okay. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, everybody could see Hillary Clinton was cooked in Iowa. So when a week and a half out the self-employed, the Service Employees International Union started hearing anxiety out of Michigan. Union officials derided, decided to reroute their volunteers, giving a desperate team on the ground around Detroit some hope. They started prepping meals and organizing hotel rooms. SEIU Union, Service Employees uh, Union, uh, which had wanted to go to Michigan from the beginning, but uh, but then ordered not to, dialed Clinton's top uh, campaign aide to tell them about the new plan. According to several people familiar with the call, Brooklyn was furious. Turn uh, that bus around, the Clinton team ordered SEIU. Those volunteers need to stay in Iowa, you fool. Donald Trump into competing there, uh, not drive to Michigan. With a Democratic model, with a Democrat's model projected a five-point win through the morning of the election, uh, he won. He won Michigan. Mm-hmm. Then there was uh, the time the campaign, instead of spending its cash in competitive states, the candidate needed to win to to clinch an electoral college victory. They sent millions to the Democratic National Committee, which used the money to run up vote totals in uncompetitive un- un- states, so Clinton would win the popular vote. But there. Also, were millions approved for transfer uh, from Clinton's campaign for use by the DNC, which under a plan devised by Brazil uh, to drum up urban turnout out of fear that Trump would win the popular vote while losing the electoral vote, got dumped into Chicago and New Orleans, far from anywhere that would have made a difference in the elections. They mismatched and botched up the whole thing, didn't they? Uh-huh. It was also the time Clinton didn't even bother to show up at a Michigan event for the United Auto Workers Union, yeah. a key union constituency on which Democratic uh, tradi- tra- Democrats traditionally rely for the get-out-the-vote efforts through the Rust Belt. Jeez. Clinton never even stopped by an auto workers union hall in Michigan, though a person involved with the campaign noted bitterly that the UAW flacked uh, on uh, GOTV commitments in the final days and that AFSCME never even made any despite months of appeal. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Hmm. But Clinton's campaign also completely ignored cries for the last 
uh, second All Hands on Deck, a GOTV, help in um, uh, uh, Michigan on Election Day. According to Politico, Brooklyn-based uh, campaign staff waved off data showing massive shortfalls in urban turnout and insisted the Democrat would win the, the state by at least five points. They were, so, they were delusional, these people. You know what I mean? They believed their own stupidity. I mean, they, they, they just didn't... It, uh, they, these people were really stupid. The Democrats just are the most stupid. Uh, and that, that was by Wasserman, Hillary... And Brazil, mm-hmm. you know, three, three, three stooges in this thing. On the morning of election day, internal Clinton campaign numbers had her winning Michigan by five points. By 1 p.m., an aide on the ground called headquarters. The voter turnout tracking system they built themselves in defiance of orders. Uh, Brooklyn had told operatives in the state they didn't care about those numbers and specifically told them not to use any resources to get them and showed urban precincts down 25%. Um, maybe they should get worried, the Michigan operatives said. Nope. They were so they were told they were going to win, and that was all they were told. And they didn't bother campaigning or doing anything more. Clinton would eventually lose the state by 11,000 votes, uh, less than one quarter of 1% of all votes cast in the state. In the end, though, it appears that hubris may have been uh, Hillary's ultimate downfall, and hours before polls closed and long before returns began trickling in, Clinton's top staffers were scrambling for every last vote. Instead, they were busy me- measuring the Oval Office curtains and searching for champagne bottles to uncork to celebrate their historic victory. In at least one of the war rooms in New York, they'd already started celebratory drinking by the afternoon, according to the person there, Politico reported. Elsewhere, calls quietly went out the day, that day to tell key people to get ready to be asked about joining transition teams. Oops. And uh, that's what they really, really, really messed up. They, they just, just messed up. Totally. Well, they huh? didn't care about the people who put them in office, so they didn't make it. Yeah. Oh, anyway, that's what they did. Screw them, man. You can't take this, you know, you can't, can't do, like, do stuff like that, you know? Just can't do that stuff. So we got a few more mats here. Let's see what we got. I thought this was really bad. Uh, it, it really is. Um, Mark, Mark Boyce sent this over to us. And kind of a sad story. War on the homeless. Cities across America are making it illegal to feed and shelter those in need. I've heard that before. Isn't it? Yeah, they've shut down soup kitchens and... Yeah, they just, yeah, you know, it's just really... Uh, Sorry, it's for some reason this... 
read that article, but it's, it gets it goes to uh, one home of cities across the United Yeah, I'm just trying to see if it's, oh, it's a lousy site. It's, it's, I mean, the, it's a lousy site. Okay, so. Let's see what we got here. Fake news Chrome plugins are just that. They're fake. Marine Patriot blog. You know, for us, how do you get a plugin to. to uh, to block, you know, to block uh, on Google, to block fake news. How are you going to do that unless you get a fake? Uh, the past couple of weeks, the issue of fake news sites has become a hot topic. It is not a new topic by any means, and people have had to discern what information is good and what information is bad since people started publishing their writings and opinions on the Internet. Want to read that? In the early days of the rule of thumb was don't believe anything you read on the internet. Then as more <coughs> reputable sources entered the cyber world, the internet has become everyone's go-to source for information. That's true. <coughs> Pardon me. The only reason <coughs> the issue of fake news has be suddenly become such a hot topic uh, sending liberal media outlets into a frenzy trying to push the likes of Facebook and Google into censoring the information posted on their pages, which I don't think they should do, is because the liberal Democrats are claiming it's the reason Hillary lost the election. That Yes, that is right. Hillary Clinton, the first female candidate for a major political party, uh, the perceived chosen one, lost her 26 campaign campaign for the presidency of the United States of America because of too much fake news on the Internet. If you have the most recent Chrome plugin called the BS Detector, your BS Detector should be sounding a loud alarm right about now. Media consolidation, the illusion of choice. Yeah. Media has never been more consolidated. Six media giants now control a staggering 90% of what we read, watch, and listen to. General Electric owns Comcast, NBC, Universal Pictures, and Focus Features. Mm. News Corp, which is Fox News, uh, they own Fox, Wall Street Journal, and the New York Post. Disney uh, owns ABC, ESPN, Pixar, Miramax, and Marvel Studios. Hmm. Viacom, which is CBS, uh, believe it or not, uh, MTV, Nick Jr., BET, uh, CMT, and Paramount Pictures, but they also own CBS, and they didn't say that. Uh, Time Warner, uh, CNN, HBO, Time, and Time, and Warner Brothers. So they own all of that. And then CBS, uh, I'm surprised CBS, because Viacom owns CBS, but uh, Showtime, uh, Smithsonian Channel, NFL.com, they own, CBS owns NFL.com. 
and uh, uh, Jeopardy. Jeopardy in 60 minutes. So, Have you ever heard of something so stupid? A few people distributing fake news on the internet swayed 300 million Americans to divert their vote to Donald Trump. Hold on, there's there's more I want you to think about. As the liberals keep stating, so everyone knows, Hillary got some 2 million plus more votes than Donald J. Trump. This would mean for the clever distributors of fake news to ensure Hillary was defeated, they had to target the American people in such a way as to affect the Electoral College. Just putting fake news out there indiscriminately would never have been able to accomplish that. I'm no statistician, nor am I inclined to attempt to work the math on that. But if there are any statisticians out there, I would love to know what the odds are of a bunch of fake news sites operating independently, targeting the people via the Internet in such a specific way as to affect the Electoral College while allowing the other party to win the popular vote count. My guess is that it's somewhere in the neighborhood of a gazillion to one. Right? And, uh, and you know, the funny thing is, is the fake news is, to me, is, is what's considered the real news. I mean, it's the, the mainstream media. The fake is fake in me. Yep. I did not raise my right hand and take an oath to defend the Constitution of a nanny state. I took an oath to defend the Constitution of a free people who live their lives without government intrusion. Americans are smart enough to spot fake news when they see it, and they do not need someone making that decision for them. This is especially true when you look closer at who is compiling this list of fake news sites. Then look even closer at the list of sites, and these lists have been compiled by ultra-liberals, and every site on their list just happens to be a right-leaning news wire. It's and sort of like how, they, how the IRS operated. Yeah, exactly. And I firmly believe that Americans are equipped with the necessary G2 intelligence to spot what is a difference in opinion versus what is outright fake. If you are not aware that there is liberal news and conservative news out there, then I want to move to wherever it is, wherever it is you live. It has to be the most beautiful place with unicorns and fairy dust. <laughs> okay. Um, fake, have... I'm sorry. I had someone message me and inform me that a site with my story I reposted was a fake with, news. With, with, with a story I reposted was a fake news site. Right. I asked them to send me something fake from the site. I got a quick response that the site was on the list of fake sites. I again asked them to send me something fake from the site. Some time passes and I get a I couldn't find anything <laughs> response followed by. But look at the site they list as one of their sources. That doesn't concern you? I asked if the information they used from the source was incorrect, and of course it was. Not. It was not. By the time the conversation was over, we were rethinking what he had, what he had heard. But it's interesting to, to say, this is real. His fake is real. Okay, Fox News, The Onion... The Onion is all fake. That's a satire site. Mm -hmm. Okay, but Fox News, I tell you, it's hard. Huffington Post, they've they've put more crap on. They they were they were the sponsors of some of the worst fake news. Uh -huh. Yeah, this year, some of the worst. Yeah, and they said, oh, it was a it was a joke, or oh, it was a joke. Yeah, it was, it right. was a joke. Anybody anybody could tell it was satire. Not true. And uh, you know that they, they did that several times. 
think the Washington Post did it too. They put out deliberate fake news. Yeah. Know? And uh, BBC, another one, seems real, mostly fake. <laughs> so I'll tell you something, right? Uh, I had someone tell me in response to my comment that a difference of opinion does not equate to fake news. Um, that's true. Well, I agree with that, but I would suggest to you that if one liberal in a room with one conservative, they will both have a different set of facts on the same issue. And politicians and those who follow politics seem to have a propensity for to spin facts to suit their agenda. The bottom line is that each and every individual American has their own BS detector, right, at, at, at rest on top of their shoulders. None of us need anyone to censor information for us. Hell, I know people that love reading satire and some that not only enjoy reading conspiracies but believe them to be the real gospel and think the mainstream media is a government-funded propaganda machine. Well, it is. Well, it is. Anyway, we'll go with that. And want to end the show tonight with that. I hope you had fun. Um, check out uh, <clears throat> Justin Zimmerman's uh, um, Smart. Smart movie. And uh, S-M-A-R-T. And, uh, it's Specialized Mobile Animal, Animal Rescue Team. Yeah. yeah. And it's a good cause. Uh, it is a good cause. And I think it's one that we all should support. Animals have the right to this planet just as much as we do. And the right to get rescued. Yeah, they need homes and to be taken care of. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a nice night, folks. Good night. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>